0: Welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence in this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is on Where Was God During 9 11? This is a continuation from last week's episode, and Rick Warren writes, Step 1 in crisis, listen and let God speak. Life is full of heartache. We suffer, feel lonely and discouraged and face criticism. Sometimes that can feel unfair, but it's not. Ask yourself this, did Jesus suffer? Was he sometimes lonely? Was he tempted to be discouraged? Was he misunderstood and criticized unjustly? Yet, Jesus understands suffering better than anyone. None of us exempt from suffering, loneliness, discouragement, or criticism because God is developing in us the character of Christ. In order to do that, he takes us through some of the same struggles that Jesus experienced. Does that mean God causes tragedies? No. God is good. He won't cause evil or do evil. But God can use dark and stressful times for good. He'll use them to show us how to help others, to teach us to trust him, and to draw us closer to other believers. The Apostle Paul and the people around him found this to be true. Paul says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others At 2 Corinthians 1.4. And then Paul goes on to explain how he and his companions learned to trust God through hard times. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God, who raises the dead, from Second Corinthians 1:8 and9. Through their struggles, they became closer to God, but also to other believers. You are helping us by praying for us, then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety out of 2 Corinthians 1.11. So what should you do when you're going through difficult times? Refuse to be discouraged. Remember God is with you. Rely on God's protection and guidance. We all go through difficult times. The difference For those who believe in Jesus is our confidence in God's promise to be with us, grow us in spiritual maturity, and use our difficulties for good. Prayer is the key to enduring any crisis. We can learn a lot from Daniel and his prayer life. An old man, when the time came close for the Israelites to return to their homeland, Daniel knew his people were not ready. The Israelites still did not have a right relationship with God. This grieved Daniel, so he prayed. His prayer in Daniel 9 provided important pieces on how to pray in a way that God answers during a crisis. One of the ways is you let God speak to you before you speak to him. You need to hear the voice of God. He will always make the first move in your life. He never expects you to do something he doesn't do first. The Bible says we love God because he first loved us. We serve him because he first served us. God initiates, then we respond. So how do you listen to God? You read the Bible. We talk to God because he first talked with us through his word. Daniel did this. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, Daniel learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years out of Daniel 9, 1 and 2. You will never pray effectively until you study scripture and listen to God. The more you know the Bible, the more effective your prayers will be. So we know in Hebrews 13, it is clear that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So on September 11, 2001, God did not disappear, and he was not caught by surprise. So why didn't God intervene to stop the tragedies of that day? We must first admit that we do not know and cannot fully understand the reasons for tragedies such as 9-11 attacks. Isaiah 55.9 declares, For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is unlimited in knowledge and his plan involves wisdom far beyond our ability to comprehend. Those who make statements regarding why God permits a certain evil action to take place must not assume to know more than God has revealed. Even so, God does provide some insight in scripture regarding the bad things that take place in our lives. The sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden resulted in a fallen world in which sin is rampant and death eventually befalls every human. Sadly, we often suffer the consequences not only of our sins but also of our misdeeds of others. Only through faith in Jesus Christ can we person receive forgiveness of sin, salvation, and eternal life. There are blessings in this life to salvation in Christ, but Christians are not immune to tragedy. We must also recognize that God did intervene in many positive ways on 9-11. For example, the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania was allegedly targeting the White House. Those who valiantly fought to stop this from taking place saved many lives. Many more individuals could have also died in New York and Washington if it had not been for the heroic efforts of countless volunteers and first responders. In addition, the increased focus on security since 9-11 has certainly stopped some further deadly attacks from taking place. While the full impact of such actions is difficult to measure, the lives saved have been many. Not only were physical lives spared that day, God often uses tragedy to turn the hearts of people to him. To save them spiritually, for example, after the attacks of 9-11, many people came to faith in Jesus Christ, and many Christians began to live out their faith more seriously. Countless lives were changed for eternity in the aftermath of 9-11, a celebration that is often overlooked. While the horrific actions and numerous losses of life on 9-11 were a monumental devastation for many and should not be overlooked or belittled. This day was not without hope. God was at work even in the midst of tragedy, saving lives both physically and spiritually, while working his eternal plan in ways we will only fully understand in heaven. So next, I'm going to introduce the song by Alan Jackson called Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? And here it is.
1: Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day Were you in the yard With your wife and children or Working on some stage in L.A. Did you stand there in shock At the sight of that black smoke Rising against that blue sky Did you shout out in anger And fear for your name Did you just sit down and cry? Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones Pray for the ones who don't know Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble And sob for the ones left below Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue And the heroes who die just doing what they do Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer And look at yourself and what really matters I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN but I'm not sure I can tell you The difference in Iraq and Iran But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September? in a class full of innocent children or driving down some cold interstate did you feel guilty cause you're a survivor in a crowded room did you feel alone did you call up your mother and tell her you loved her did you dust off that bible at home Did you open your eyes, hope it never happened, close your eyes and not go to sleep? Did you notice the sunset the first time in ages, speak to some stranger on the street? Did you lay down at night, think of tomorrow, go out and buy you a gun? Did you turn off that violent old movie you're watching? Turn on love of Siri runs Did you go to a church and hold hands with some strangers Stand in line and give your own blood Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family Thank God you had somebody to love Sure, I can tell you the difference in our rock and our ran. But I know Jesus and i talk talked to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you The difference in our rock and our red But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love And the greatest is love greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day
0: Hey, what a great song by Alan Jackson. And Alan Jackson's Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning is a song not to remind us of the hurt, the painful experience, the misery we've been through on 9-11. Instead, it's a reminder of how we stood ground and how we helped each other on the very day of that downfall. So next, I want to read you a story, and it is a story about Where Was God on 9-11 by John Snyder. And here it is. We were running late that morning, so my wife, Sharon, and daughter, Sarah, missed their radar train at the Babylon station of the Long Island Railroad. Then just as I saw them disappear into the crowd, rushing to get into Manhattan that bright sunny morning, I heard on the car radio that a small plane had crashed into one of the Twin Towers. I thought little about it, assuming some minimal damage had been done to the great structure. Minutes later, the information was corrected. It wasn't a small, single-engine plane, but a full-sized airliner. I knew instantly what that meant. Then a second plane struck. Dread filled my heart as I tried to call my wife and daughter on their cell phones. But everyone in the New York metropolitan area was also trying to reach their loved ones. Communication was impossible. That began a period of agonizing waiting. On the train, Sharon and Sarah kept hearing cell phones going off and words of shock and disbelief all throughout the train car. They saw ahead through the windows what looked like two chimneys smoking in the distance, but now it was clear to everyone what had happened. As hard as we tried, my daughter Steph and I couldn't reach them. We had to wait and pray another eight hours before we could make contact with them. Then we discovered that theirs was the first train stopped at Jamaica Station before entering the tunnel into New York City. If they'd been on time, they too would have been in the city that day. Only those people who were there can really know the massive panic and widespread chaos that engulfed the entire region. It was as if a nuclear blast had taken place. No one doubts that the world changed on 9-11 and that it will not return to what it was before. But what will stay the same is what became evident to a great many. God is in charge even when everything seems to be falling apart. As the days went by, I discovered that our experience of being too late to get into the city was typical of what many other pastors reported. Their parishioners were just not able to get into the city no matter how hard they tried. Alarm clocks failed to go off, the car wouldn't start, the kids wouldn't get ready for school on time. It was due to such things that most of the 50,000 people expected to be in their Twin Tower offices simply couldn't get there. On an average day, the Twin Towers held 50,000 workers and over 200,000 visitors. So the official figure of those killed in the attacks was 2,819. But still, too many loved ones perished. We remain thankful for those who are still alive, yet grieve for those who did arrive at work on time, and for the firemen and policemen who laid down their lives to save others. Through the tragedy of 9-11, we learn to lean on the promises in Scripture that tell us that God was in charge of each and every one that day. For some, their appointment with eternity was kept. For others, he had a purpose for them to fulfill on this earth. This has always been true in history through wars, storms, disasters, and all the rest. What it intended as evil to harm us, God intends for our good. We can't explain all his purpose in such things, but we can see the evidence that there is a preserving hand active in them all. To those who fear More 9-11s and increasing acts of terrorism in the future, there is an encouraging news. It means that whatever happens to and around us happens within an overarching purpose and that nothing is allowed to occur that isn't first permitted. We won't know all the ways on this side of history, but we can be assured that history is in the hands of the great designer. Our task is not to tell God how to run his world or challenge his wisdom but to ask what is expected of us in the days allotted to us. As much as it may grieve our loved ones or us, what matters is not how or when we die, but how we live. Let's remember 9-11 by committing ourselves to living every day as though it might be our last, determining to fill each moment of our life and loving each other, glorifying and enjoying the God who has given us every day as a great and precious gift. So yes, on September 11, 2001, we watched in shock and horror as the worst terrorist attack in the history of the United States unfolded before our eyes. Al-Qaeda terrorists hijacked four passenger planes and aimed them in at buildings that represented the power and might of America, the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York City, and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. Nearly 3,000 people lost their lives that day. The surreal image of the planes crashing into the buildings and into the ground of people desperately fleeing for their lives, of thick smoke and dust rising from the ruins of the collapsed towers are forever etched in our minds. The pain of September 11th will always be with us, a devastating reminder that we live in a fallen world marred by sin, hatred, and violence. My thoughts and prayers are with the families who are grieving in the aftermath of that terrible day. We wrestled with the age-old question, why does God allow so much evil in the world? 20 years later, 22 years later, in fact, we continue to ask, where was God on September 11, 2001? I believe he was where he has always been, with us. God did not create a world filled with suffering and evil. His was a perfect world, a paradise. Genesis 1.31 tells us, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God created us to love and serve him through Jesus, commanded us to love one another as we love ourselves. But he also gave us free will, because love and choice. And in our flesh, we took the freedoms that God gave us and turned away from him. The Bible tells us that sin and evil do not come from God, but from Satan, and they entered this world when Satan deceived Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Our world is coming to grips with the disaster that inherited in our fallen universe. We see this disorder in our own suffering and pain, and in those seemingly random events that cause so much anguish in life. So we know that God has not lost a battle to Satan. John 1.5 tells us, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. According to Matthew 25:41, God will one day banish all evil into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Nobody is immune from suffering, but in John 16:33 Jesus gives us this promise. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. This promise should motivate us to do something about the injustice and pain that so pervade this world. Sadly many people, yes even Christians, sit on the sidelines and do nothing. I sometimes wonder if we have forgotten how to weep. I think one thing that's noticeably missing among people today is a deep sense of compassion and empathy for the hurting. One reason for this I believe is that we are so inundated through media with news and suffering that it's easy to begin to tune it out. We must not forget that people who suffer are real people. Whether they lost loved ones on September 11, 2001, bear the visible and invisible scars of war, or are Afghans trapped under the Taliban's rule, we need to pray and ask God to show us where we can help relieve suffering in this world. There are times in life when we just have a hard time understanding why. I think about a friend I have who lost a child in a tragic accident. I think about those who are sick and hungry with little hope for relief. Yet others whom we see as less innocent seem to prosper. It's in those times when we wonder why that we can often feel disheartened or disillusioned with our faith. If God is good, we ask, then why would he allow innocent people to suffer like that? This is a reasonable question provoked by very real emotions. And the truth is, there is an answer, but it may not be the one we'd like to hear. The world is fallen. Because of that, there will be suffering until Christ returns. And often, others who seem less deserving will prosper. The world will be wrought with injustice until the justifier returns to bring back order. So what can we do? We persevere. We allow suffering and hardship to create a thirst in us for the day when all suffering will end. We wait in anticipation for Christ to usher in his kingdom on earth. We hold on because help is coming. In the meantime, we provide all the comfort we can to our hurting neighbors because of the hope we have in Christ. So I am going to end today's episode on an audio clip called Nine eleven 11 The God Song, Silent Night. And here it is.
2: You say you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news on September 11, 2001 neither will I. I was on the 110th floor in a smoke-filled room with a man who called his wife to say goodbye. I held his fingers steady as he dialed. I gave him the peace to say, honey, I'm not going to make it but it's okay, I'm ready to go. I was with his wife when he called as she fed breakfast to their children. I held her up as she tried to understand his words. And as she realized he wasn't coming home that night. I was in the stairwell of the 23rd floor when a woman cried out to me for help. knocking on the door of your heart for 50 years I said of course I'll show you the way home only believe in me now I was at the base of the building when the priest ministered to the injured and devastated souls I took him home to tend his flock in heaven He heard my voice and answered I was on all four of those planes, in every seat, with every prayer. I was with the crew as they were overtaken. I was in the very hearts of the believers there, comforting and assuring them that their faith has saved them. I was in Texas, Kansas, London standing next to you when you heard the terrible news did you sense me I want you to know that I saw every face I knew every name though not all know me some met me for the first time on the 86th floor some sought me with their last breath Some couldn't hear me calling to them through the smoke and flames. Come to me. This way. Take my hand. Some chose, for the final time, to ignore me. But I was there. I did not place you in the tower that day. You may not know why, but I do. However, if you were there in that explosive moment in time, would you have reached for me? September eleventh, two 2001 was not the end of the journey for you. someday your journey will end and I'll be there for you as well. Seek me now while I may be found. Then at any moment you know you're ready to go. I will be in the stairwell of your final moments.
0: So that does bring the end of our episode today. And again, from 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So my closing prayer is always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. Next week's episode is going to be on God is Always Available to You. So you can connect with me at podcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And anywhere you download your podcast, you can give positive light. Hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.